You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games. Don't let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the concession stand. This is episode number 42. I am your host, Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I am great. There, We said it last week. You cannot do episode 42 without saying number 42 <laughs> goes to the one and only 42 that will ever be, and that is Mr. Jackie Robinson. You, sir, we will, uh, we will humbly give you the Stone Cold Salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Mm. <sighs> Plenty of stuff coming up in this episode. We went and saw Atomic Blonde, which we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, we have plenty to talk about in the world of TV and movies. And later in the lobby, we're going to talk about the state of action movies. We're Ooh. big fans of action movies. And we can't wait to talk about that. Another thing we can't wait to talk about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones uh, this week might be the most badass epic episode of the entire series. Really? Okay. Let, let, let me hear you. It, let me it, hear you say why without spoiling it. Though. Why? Because it delivers. Okay. In, from beginning to end, it delivers so many different things that uh, we have wanted to know a resolution on for the longest time. And by the end of it, you are just so overwhelmed with all of this. Oh my god! So many times, oh my god, moments happened in yeah, that episode. Yeah, and I think the the oh my god moments are are going to be uh, much more frequent. Again, because of that accelerated schedule. I mean, think about this. On Sunday, like halfway through that episode, the, sh- the season is halfway over. Yeah. I mean, three and a half hours in of, of seven. I mean, that's me doing math, like beautiful minding over here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, not, I like your algorithms you have on the board behind you. <laughs> yeah. We saw the the end of, of, a, of a character, and there it's a big moment near the end of that uh, episode. Again, not going to spoil it. We did get the meeting of John and Daenerys, which we knew was going to happen based on the trailer and the three of them being in one room. Didn't quite go like you might have wanted it to, nope. but uh, that's okay. I mean, it, we can't have everything be perfect because well, there wouldn't think, be a show, right? I think by the end, it kind of started to hint that it was going to go the way that we want it to. But that's all we can say, yes. right? Right. Yes. Without do- We can't do spoilers on this because then no. people won't listen. You know, We want you to enjoy it for <laughs> yourselves, and then maybe we'll do a secret Game of Thrones only thing at some point where we can all just talk about it at length who knows well there was the red wedding and then there was the battle of the bastards and right. i think there was one more in there uh oh, it was the uh the phrase i yeah. believe right so I, this was one of those kinds of episodes to me from not where like half the cast dies uh, right. but at the same time it, it just delivered on so many aspects every single scene delivered something rather than just treading water like most of the old old episodes of the seasons before did yeah it always felt like the first three or four there would be like one little thing that they drop at the very end of the episode and you'd yeah. be like oh i gotta tune in next week where like there are so many like uh loose ends that are so close to being tied up that you're you can't wait so uh, i don't th- we could keep talking about it forever yes. but what we should talk about now my friend is what we just did uh, we just got back from Arclight Cinemas over here in uh, Los Angeles, California. Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks. Didn't want to tell people where you live in case they want to stalk <laughs> you, but that's fine. Uh, we went and saw Atomic Blonde. Yes, we did. I'm going to let you go first because I think you liked this a lot better than I did. Okay. Well, we hadn't even said that. All right. So foreshadowing. All right. Um, here's here's we we had been joking about this for the longest time when we first saw this trailer back. I think sometime before I left, we saw this trailer. Um, and it was, uh, we, we were joking. It's, it's Jane wick, Joan wick. It looks like John wick, but with a girl, uh, it looks cool and it's got the, the really neat style and blah, 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 blah. It absolutely was that. Um, I, I had no idea that this film was going to be set in the eighties, uh, near the collapse of the Berlin wall, Me either. which was great. And it works with the, they have like the, the music thing. It has a, a guardians of the galaxy feel where you got all these cool, like hip things from the, from the eighties. And of course it takes place in Germany and she is great. And all of the action sequences that you want, uh, are there and including the, the, the climax of the movie has this epic one-off looking, um, like it's almost like one shot, but it's not, but it looks like one shot. It's an, an epic fight scene that's one of the coolest things i've ever seen uh in a fighting movie um action wise plenty of gunplay uh Charlize theron 
absolutely kills it. She is perfect as that spot. You could tell that she put a lot of training and time to make her. She was a producer on it as well. Um, David Leach um, is the director, of course, uh, was a co-director for the original John Wick. He is going to be doing Deadpool 2. Um, I can't say it was the best movie I'd seen in a long time. I can't say it was the best action movie I'd seen in a long time. But as far as what I paid for it and what I wanted out of it, I got it. I felt like there were lulls in the story. I felt like they tried to do a little bit too much international intrigue and spy stuff in it. And it just... It, it slowed it down a little bit. Um, there were a couple of the characters I really didn't care about. I thought James McAvoy was fantastic in it, and I agree with you. I think you said it, that he almost stole the movie yeah. uh, as far as his acting and the character that he played. John Goodman was good. Um, so I give this I give this like a three out of five, yeah. maybe a three and a half out of five. Well, maybe we uh, like it about the same then. Yeah, but I mean, for 16 bucks that we paid to go see it, is it worth going to see well, that fight? Well, that's another discussion. Uh, fine, but is it worth <laughs> seeing that fight scene in a theater? Did you get what you paid for? Did you expect a action movie like John Wick again? No. Well, again, I got what I wanted out of it. Your turn. Go. All right, so to, to address the point before I go into the film, to address the point you just brought up, we paid $60 to go see that film. That was my fault, though, because we were supposed to go in the morning, but yeah, well, it could have no, been cheaper. No, 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 no. Let, let's not even put throw the asterisks in there. We just we paid $60 to go see that film if you include a bucket of popcorn and a soda each. That is, again, that, I've been harping on this forever, <laughs> and I continue to. Do I feel like that film was worth $60 for the two of us to go see it? Hell no. Um, now, that said, I echo a lot of the same. I'm not going to go on the same... Uh, repeat a lot of the same things. I echo a lot of the sentiments you had. Uh, I, from the outset, this movie went off on a pace really, really fast. You had a big car chase sequence right out of the gate. I was really pumped. I was like, oh my God, we're getting ready to get two hours of this? I'm in. There were some born elements in there, yep. uh, the kind of car chases, yep. the kind of stuff that Greengrass usually shoots, just mm-hmm. fantastic. I got really excited when we were five minutes into the film and there's already this epic car chase kind of thing rock and roll and then it just kind of treaded water for about an hour yeah yeah and i was just like okay a little bit of development here and there mcavoy showed up and just put the movie in his pocket right (laughs) just like i'm gonna take that scene and that scene and that scene and i'm just gonna walk away and this is gonna be my movie not charlize's this is not to take away anything from the performance of charlize theron james mcavoy goodman i thought was kind of wall dressing he he was you know fun sure played an interesting part um, I think uh, Sophia Battelle, I think, didn't have enough to do. Yeah. I wanted to know more about her involvement um, and not I can't get into too much more without spoiling stuff, but I, I feel like she was shortchanged a little bit. Yep. She was fantastic in the little bits that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I would rate this as a, you know, if we're calling them buckets of popcorn, three out of five buckets of popcorn. Sure. Um, when it comes to to this movie, I wanted more, but I didn't leave the theater that upset. Okay, can we can we at least admit this? We chose to buy waters, soda, and popcorn for this movie. So really, that was your choice. You had to pay sixteen, whatever it was, to to get to to see the movie. Was the movie worth sixteen dollars? Take the you have to take the concessions out of this because that's your choice. Um, you have to get into the theater no matter what to see that movie. It only costs you sixteen dollars. So if you look at it that way, is it worth sixteen dollars? I think for the sound, yes. I think for the the what one of the highlights of the film for me not the music but the 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 sound mix the way that the sound effects and the dynamics of it and in the Atmos theater that we saw it in fantastic it, it added a whole nother level above and beyond that no okay I don't think it was uh, I think it was and I'll tell you another reason why um, there are certain things that have happened in movies over the years where I said to myself in my head I don't know how they're doing this and I know how they do with this stuff. And there were a bunch of scenes in that movie where I was like, how did they do that? How did they do that? And when they do that to me, I get excited about it. And I'll tell you when it was after the big one off and we get downstairs and we get into that car and there's a chase sequence after that. That's all I'll say. You have to see it to believe it. There's a bunch of stuff that happens in that chase sequence that I don't know how they did it. I got to be honest with you. I can't figure it out. And I kept racking my brain. I took myself out of the movie and went into my film brain. I'm like, how did they? That's so cool. That's so cool. And then I was like trying to get back into it. Like, oh, yep. Yeah, okay. Stay in it. Stay in it. Stay in it. Yeah. That to me was worth the $16 alone. And seeing it in a theater was was paramount, I think, in the, in that regard. The, the Is film, it Dunkirk? The, Absolutely not. No. Is it John Wick? No way. But I, I liked what I, I feel like I, I got my money's worth at $16. Even if I had seen it for $6, like we were supposed yeah. to this morning, that's another thing. <laughs> that would have been fine too. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it was worth it. Now, would I have said the same thing about Valerian last week if I had paid $16 for that? Absolutely not. Yeah. 
But there you go. There was a whole lot of style, not a lot of substance, in my opinion. Definitely really, a lot of style. Uh, it had a really good look to it. It was shot it. well. It yeah. had great color work. Um, the soundtrack was it's a little too much on the 99 Luff Balloons. I, I just I couldn't. <laughs> too many times they played that. And you'll if you see it, you'll know what I mean. Um, but the 80s music felt a little bit on the nose, almost as bad as Suicide Squad was. Or I, you know, Guardians and Gun does a very good job, and he does that completely differently, where the film's designed around the music. Um, but so I, I think they tried a little too hard to do that. Um, but yeah, tons of style and the way this was shot, but not a lot of, not as much substance, I should say. Cool. We, we kind of agree to disagree sort of on this. And I think it's great that you and I got to go see a movie together again. It's very rare that it happens because of our, our schedules being the way that they are. Um, so we're going to try and do more of that yes. as, as the weeks go on. It's going to be tricky for me in September, but uh, we're definitely going to try like Dark Tower. We're already talking about going to see that early next week, despite the reviews that are coming out early, which I'm just reading now. Don't care. But there you go. Um, let's talk about your week. How was your week? Well, hey, I can't start this episode off without giving a big shout out to our brothers in geek yes. over at Orbital Jigsaw. Yes. The Super Nerds UK. Uh, I wanted to say this last weekend they got to attend MCM Comic Con, which is in Manchester, uh, in the UK. Yep. And it's a huge uh, Comic Con event, much to the akin of to the various Comic Con events that happen here in the US. Now that they've gone global, uh huh. One of the Manchester is one of the ones that happens. I think it happens twice a year over there. Wow. Um, so they get it twice. <laughs> so those guys actually got to do a live uh, two. On both days, Saturday and Sunday, they got to do live podcast interviews uh, on stage at Manchester Comic-Con. So shout out to our brothers and geeks. They got to re- uh, do an interview with Mr. David B. Hader himself, which if you don't know is, I know you know, yeah. but is the writer of X-Men, X-Men 2, and Watchmen. And he's also the voice of Solid Snake That's in how Metal I knew Gear him. That's Solid. how I knew him. Now, he's not necessarily, he goes by David Hader, but yeah, I mean... Like that voice, Solid Snake, like when when oh, playing all those games. Oh, it's so great! And they got to talk to him, and he apparently was like super cool. Uh, he twittered those guys back, like when they, we, yeah, we all were like, Ooh, like we're Twitter. Look what our our friends over in the UK did. They were talking to yeah. them. like we were all excited. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, good job, you guys. Uh, it was so cool to hear that. Way to go! And if you guys want to hear that interview, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com. You can find all of their information. Uh, their, that late interview with David Hader and where else you can subscribe to their show. Yes. They've also got a YouTube channel, by the way, that Simon does a lot of what he calls pickups. Oh. Uh, so when you go to the cons, you pick up some retro games or some figures or anything like that. He does a great job of uh, kind of highlighting those as well, but he's a big retro game collector. So I don't know stuff. anybody like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. He might be one mm-hmm. sitting across from me. Well, hey, uh, another thing that I did this week was I binge-watched Ozark. The whole thing? The whole thing oh, on Netflix. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a dirty little secret. I'm a big Jason Bateman fan. All right. Uh, I, I love his, um, when he gets the right role. And I think he's got um, he's got some unique timing in his comedy and his delivery. And I think this was kind of tailor-made for him, this kind of role. Is it a comedy, though? It is not. A, it, there are some comedic elements, some dark comedy that's part of it. Okay. But that goes without saying when it comes to him. So there's also Laura Linney. Uh, they're two kids. It's got some great baddies in it. Uh, all kinds of stuff. It's set on um, the Missouri River in the Ozarks in uh-huh. Missouri, right? So it has to do with uh, being a money launderer for the second largest drug cartel in Mexico. Of course. It's like Breaking Bad on a river in the woods. All right. So, yeah, it works out. You bring in some locals that are what you would, you know, I'm doing air quotes, rednecks (laughs) that add an interesting dynamic to it as well. So definitely check out Ozark. Great, great TV series from Netflix. Hey, uh, then you never got that Infinity War trailer that you thought was going to happen this week, did yeah, you? Miscalled that one. Uh, you know, maybe it'll happen this week, next week. Who it's, knows? It's only Wednesday. I mean, Friday. It's that's like totally Disney's thing. They've they've had like sporadic things this week that they've announced. So maybe by Friday they'll hit you with the whole like, ha ha! Here's the Infinity War trailer, <laughs> and then everybody talks about it all weekend or or whatever. Does, um, does Waluigi work at Disney now? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, you also still are, are continuing to not like Wonder Woman, the not not Wonder Woman the movie, but uh, the actress who plays her. Um, well, I want to I want to clarify this okay. a little bit. Okay, All so right. I was very harsh on Gal Gadot's performance yeah, in Wonder Woman. Yeah, you were a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago, and and I was enough people, enough of you reached out and said you're wrong. You know, bird bird bird. She was fantastic. And all right, you know what? I'm gonna go. She recently did this project with John Hamm called Keeping Up with the Joneses. Also had uh, Zach Galifianakis Zach- <laughs> and Isla Fisher, who is uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife. Yeah. 
Uh, so decent timing. Galifianakis is his own quirky, weird kind of self. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to watch it specifically to see can Gal Gadot act? Okay. Sorry to tell you, folks, I'm right. She cannot act. She's she does great stunts. She even does them in this film because their characters are these weird secret agents. Okay. But it's just it's oh it's so bad. She, yes, she is gorgeous to look at. Yes, she can do some fun stunts and swing those legs around and do those leg sweeps and do what she does. And she looked great doing it in Wonder Woman. But she just can't. There's no chemistry. There's no charisma. There's no delivery. There's just it's just bland. And I'm sorry that a lot of people don't agree with me there. But I'm one of them. You're but one. That's of fine. Them. All right. That's fine. Um, did you know? She's no that- Meryl Streep. <laughs> no, she never will be. But that's that's not the point. Um. She works for me as Wonder Woman. I have not seen Keeping Up with the Joneses. I probably won't, no, you won't. ever unless I get my arm twisted by my wife, uh, but she's probably already seen it. Uh, the, uh, the other it's thing is a else, horrible film. Yeah, Don't watch exactly. it. Exactly. So how can that be Gal Gadot's fault? Anyways, I'm going to defend her because she's Wonder Woman. Well, hey, uh, that's enough about Gal Gadot. What did you do this week, Andy? Okay. As you know, I don't like scary movies at all. And I had like trouble as a kid, like watching movies and trailers and it like scarred me for life. Right. So what have I always done in my life when I have a fear? I face it head on. Okay. And I've been doing this in the virtual world. Okay. All right. Do you remember the Friday the 13th game that of we course. talked about? And you haven't played it yet, but uh, all the guys that you we guys played, went off and started playing it. We didn't did, tell me. we did, but it wasn't like a one-off. Like we paid forty bucks for the game, we played it once, and that was it. And now it's just like we'll be in the middle of playing Rainbow Six, and the guys will be like, uh, "Hey, uh, do you want to play uh, Friday Thirteenth? Um, maybe you can be Jason." I'm like, I, I, "Maybe I can, maybe I can." But I still have been Jason like one time. <laughs> but every time I do this, and I'm telling you, you put the headset on and the music, and the, it, it's this throwback to the '80s thing. And like when Jason gets close, you start hearing the. And it's your friend, and we've done it now. You can play this where instead of everybody being in a party and you can hear everybody all the time, there's this thing where you play in game chat and you can only hear somebody, like another counselor that's trying to get away, if they're actually close to you. So when you start the game and you're by yourself, you can't hear anybody. Wow. But the person playing Jason can hear everybody. Oh, wow. And like, especially if he gets close and he can warp around the map. And the other thing is, as you get closer, if you know that he's about to get you, like the screen does like this weird, like, remember like um, on VHS tapes, this is going old school, by the way, when the tracking, remember like when the screen would go fuzzy yeah. and you'd have to adjust the tracking thing. Yeah. So when Jason gets close, the tracking gets messed up on your screen. So you're like, oh, and like the music starts and like, I'm, I'm having like nightmares, like just playing this game and going through this. <laughs> And then, like, friends will get close and be like, hey, man, you all right? I'm like, no, I'm good. I, I think I got a machete. If he got, oh, there he is. Like, we're playing, like, oh, my God, it's happening. It's around the corner. Like, it's, it's like you're watching the movie, but you're in it. So whether or not this is actually a good game, I don't know. I am enjoying the hell out of this in a weird, like, twisted way. Well, hey, I'm, I'm, I love the fact that you guys sent me an invite to, uh, to play with you. I'm a little bit bitter and having some FOMO over here right now. But, hey, uh, didn't you go to a Dodger game this week? Yeah, I did. I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a baseball fan. The last time I was at Dodger Stadium was during the Cubs' uh, run to the World Series last playoff season. Fine. Uh, some friends that I just uh, was working with in Europe were like, hey, we're all going to Dodger games. This is a bit of a reunion. We get down to the ballpark, and there you are at a Dodger game. Tickets, 44 bucks. It's normal for a sports game. But I'm going to pull, like, a, a Nick thing and be like, parking was 25 and it took me forever to get out of there and a beer was 14 dollars, but i still had fun um i also <laughs> went on like a movie watching tear this week as well yeah, you did so i, I friday with a buddy of mine pat uh, who i've worked with forever uh, he's a big movie fan we went to the same theater we went to tonight i saw baby driver uh you know i'm a huge edgar wright fan me too it's a great movie. It's it's a one-off for me. I don't need to see it again. It's a well-made thing. It's it's cool how they choreograph it to music, and that's another thing where it's a kind of the Guardians or even Atomic Blonde thing where movie is cut to music. Action sequence is great. John Hamm is great. Everybody in it is great. It's good. Whatever. Yeah. Um. It's it's worth seeing. Don't need don't need to see it in a theater. I don't need to pay sixty dollars to see it. No, a okay. movie you do need to see in a theater, in my opinion, and my wife and I went and saw this on Saturday, and I was absolutely blown away, and it is, quote-unquote, amazing, the uh, Spider-Man movie, and Homecoming. we just had so much fun with it, and they finally got a Spider-Man movie right, they got Tom Holland right, uh, they, they pick right up where they left off in Civil War with Spider-Man being fun, like, to the point where when the movie starts, there's nods to the stuff that happened in Civil War. Oh, wow. That's all I'll say. Okay. Downey's in it as, as Iron Man, pretty much, or Stark, the whole movie. Um, but it's very much him on his own. If I had any complaint about it, it would be that 
Michael Keaton's performance in the beginning, I just didn't buy him as a bad guy, but probably because in my head he's still Batman, yeah. you know? Um, but it works as, as the movie goes along. They did a different take on the whole Spider-Man thing where he has a friend that's kind of in on it at the same time that really worked for me. Holland pulls it off uh, better than Maguire did, obviously better than Andrew Garfield did. Yeah. Let's all forget about there was that. There's nothing amazing about the amazing um, Spider-Man. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. So I, I, I will tell you, please go see it. And if I'm assuming the people that, were, that are listening have already seen it. So sorry it took me so long, but I was very happy and I can't wait to see it again. Awesome, awesome. I'll definitely put that on the list. Well, hey, let's move over and do some quick hits. <laughs> Well, hey, Andy, in only 20 days of release, Spider-Man has now surpassed the domestic box office for both of the Garfield movies, right? Okay. So once it hits $292 million, it will officially become the highest grossing reboot of a superhero movie. <laughs> okay. So like, wait, so, all right, I get that. So, uh, wait, what does Garfield have to do with superheroes? Highest grossing reboot of a superhero movie. So that would what, I all guess Batman's. That wouldn't make sense. You would think dark, like, I don't know. We read this somewhere and I wrote this in the notes, but I, you know, dark Knight was a reboot of the Batman with Michael Keaton. And I don't know. Well, sure. Or maybe the highest grossing reboot of a superhero Spider-Man movie. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. Last week was like, like, Oh, wonder woman is the highest grossing movie of the summer this week today. Yeah. You know, by a woman directed by a woman. Right. We will, we will put whatever caveat we can to make it the highest grossing of something on a, we can have the press on a Wednesday at 2 PM, you know, or whatever it is with um, people that ate Reese's pieces <laughs> only in the theater in Sherman Oaks, California, but did not reference ET at the same time. Right. Hey, HBO also got hacked recently. Oh, I read about this. This is not good. No, they got about a, they got one and a half terabytes of data. Now that doesn't sound like much. No, you can fit it right? in their pocket, right? In a hard drive, your thumb drive or whatever. <laughs> uh, now that doesn't sound like much, but they do have episode four. The script, at least. They don't have the actual episode. Episode 4 what? Script of Game of Thrones. Okay. All right. What else? Episode 4 is on HBO. There's a hipster elitist. John Oliver. Uh... <laughs> They've also got episodes of Baller and of that new show, Room 104, which okay. I don't think anybody would be bent out of shape about pirating. Um, the, the hackers also claim that the more leaks will be coming soon, maybe coming soon. Okay. Who knows? So with all of this in mind and the fact that they had 90 million people download the first episode illegally, do they care? I, I think they do. And here's why. I just read, actually, there's some more stuff to read about this. It wasn't just the the the, stu- the intellectual properties that were stolen. Apparently, this has levels of like the Sony hack from 2014, oh, wow. where we've gotten into HBO executives' email accounts and bank accounts, and they've sent out a thing to their employees like, we're okay. They We don't have like personal stuff about this. But I wonder if something's going to drop in the next week about not just like, hey, we have episode five. Here's what happens. It'll be like this HBO exec said that Jon Snow or Kit Harrington is a jerk face. You know, like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> like, why would he say that? Like, I, I'm afraid that that's going to come. Do you remember um, back in, I think it was season five, they, they got pirated for like the first or second episode of Game of Thrones. And then they stopped sending advanced screeners out to critics. Yeah. So that's, I mean, now <laughs> I, don't, I would not work at HBO and type an email at this point. Exactly. So. Exactly. Uh, if you do work at HBO, uh, be very careful. Yeah, HBO, go n- no. <laughs> There's no joke there. I'm going to stop. Well, hey, Jungle Cruise movie with The Rock now has a director. Yes. And it's another Jean-Claude <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm trying to do my Denis Villeneuve. Just look it up because I don't know how to say this guy's name, but Jume Colette Sarah. And I'm sorry if you're listening, sir, which I doubt it. Uh, we don't mean to butcher your name. So once he, apparently he was once going to be the director for Suicide. I Squad. know that's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, and, and he, foreboding in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh no, uh, the fact that they moved on to air from him, <laughs> and now he's going to be doing these. Oh boy. Uh, also, he's currently working on a new Liam Neeson project, which is called The Commuter. Does that sound like something that like okay? The Liam Neeson movies are like Taken, The Commuter. Something else like he's he's just it was the one where he was on a plane. He's always in transit somewhere, yeah. right? Like it's like his thing now. Liam Neeson is stuck in yeah. traffic. <laughs> Action, <laughs> right, right. But he's but he's okay. He's uh, Jungle Cruise starts production <laughs> next spring, right. so I, I can't say I'm going to stand in line to go watch that yeah. train wreck. 
Pokemon Go Fest uh, <laughs> are going to sue the Pika Sue. Ah, Pika Sue, nice joke there. I like Antic it. over I like the it. debacle in Chicago last week that we spoke about on uh, concession stand. If you remember, there were a bunch of people in Grant Park in Chicago, which is an outdoor park where they do concerts and stuff, typically a jazz fest and such. And uh, there was this big Pokemon festival that a bunch of people bought tickets to, and then the cell service didn't work. So Somebody didn't of, think this so through. None of them could play the game, and then like the guy came out, and they're like, boo! Right. They booed like the head of that thing. <laughs> so these people are like, hey, uh, we're suing you because we paid like hundreds of dollars to fly here for the stupid Pokemon thing in Chicago. I love Chicago, but I would not fly there for a Pokemon Go right. convention. Oh, man. What else is in Grant Park, by the way? Uh, what, I mean, was there anything else to say or to see if you can't catch Pokemon? What do you it would do? Be, it'd be like going you to, it, go to Portillo's? You know what? It would be like going to Central Park. It's but much smaller. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that's their it's their it's their Central Park, but tiny. Gotcha. Hey, we haven't talked about Overwatch in a while, and Doomfist. Remember Doomfist? This mm-hmm. guy, he's live now, right? Have you had a chance to play with him yet? I have not. What? I've been very busy working on the network. It is something that is top of my list, though, from the gaming perspective. Aside from kind of chewing my fingernails, waiting for Destiny Two to get here, and what are we down to now? Forty days? Thirty? Oh 40 yeah, days? I haven't even thought about Ooh. it. So it is definitely something I'm going to be playing a lot of over the next month, and I will definitely report back to you guys on how Doomfist plays, or at least my perspective on it. But I haven't really read or seen too much in the way of good or bad. Just a little bit, because it just came out yesterday. Okay. Real quick about Destiny. Just I know we're we're at the end of this life cycle of this game we've been playing for years, me especially. Um, I want you to know that the last Iron Banner ever, maybe, is happening this week. There's no way it's the last one. They're going to bring that back. If they do, I don't know. I don't know, but I just like it it's the last Iron Banner for Destiny 1. I'll just say that. Oh. So, part of me wants to just jump in there for a couple of matches and, you know, for nostalgia, but there you go. Hey, speaking of nostalgia. Iron Banner. Yeah. Hey, speaking of nostalgia, guess who is not going to write the original score for the Han Solo movie? Um, Han Zimmer. Who is not going to write the score for the Han Solo movie? Um, Alan Silvestri. No. John Williams, oh, Mr. Star Wars. Thomas Newton Howard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> James Newton Howard. But yeah, uh, John Williams will not be writing the score for the Han Solo film. Why not? Well, it's Didn't kind we of, talk about this? I feel like we talked about this where he wasn't, uh, Silvestri was going to do it and then. No, we're talking Ready Player One. Right. So he, what is, why so, is he not going to do it? It's not a Spielberg film. It's not a Spielberg film, but it's a Star Wars movie and John Williams does all the Star true, Wars movies, true. except he didn't do Rogue One. So all of the Star Wars stories, maybe he is not a part of. Guess who is going to do the score for this movie? Hans Zimmer. No. Oh, um, Alan Silvestri. No. Um, James Newton Howard. No. Oh. Denny Villeneuve, no, he doesn't do scores. What? No, oh, no, hang on. <laughs> but there'll be more about him in scores in just a second. Uh, a guy named John Powell, who is what you're saying, right? John Powell? Uh, he is Wasn't done. Wasn't that the cop's name in Die Hard? Al Powell. Al it was Powell. Al Powell. Very nice. Well done. <laughs> yes. Uh, he of DreamWorks fame, he did all of the scores for Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2, oh, that's where I've Shrek, heard that. and How to Train Your Dragons yeah, 1 yeah, and 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, his first score, and the reason I knew this name, is one of my favorite movie scores is for one of my favorite action movies, which I hope we will reference in the lobby later. He wrote the score, his first job as a, as a composer, Face Off, 20 years ago. Richard Volta and Nicolas Cage. And then somehow he got into the animated world and started doing a bunch of kids' movies. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure he's, yeah, it's good stuff, but. It, How do you go from Face Off yeah. to kids' movies? <laughs> I don't know. How do you go from Face Off to Kung Fu Panda? How back, do you go from Face Off to anything, really? Back to Han you know? Solo. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Well, hey, if you're scoring at home, <laughs> has now changed his composer on the new Blade Runner movie. Originally, oh, yeah. this was. Johan Johansson. Is he a Viking? That's a terrible job by his parents, by the way, <laughs> to name him. Your last name's Johansson? We're going to call you Johan Johansson. That's Yo- like calling me Nell Nelson. He also scored uh, Sicario Prisoners and The Arrival by... <laughs> okay. Um, also, Hans Zimmer will now be taking over the duties with Johansson still helping... It, whatever that means that's probably a nice way of saying we're going to use the stuff that he already did but okay. we're excusing him so here's here's what i read about this which it's great uh, it seems to me that han zimmer would be the right person to do blade runner yeah. just because of like his ethereal like woo, like his noises that he does instead of like actual themes right. that zimmer sort of does however you remember in the first movie it was all the, like that vangelis like chariots of fire kind of sound yes. and weird keyboardy sound things that like is right in zimmer's wheelhouse right i agree so i think 
And um, if you look at the trailer for 2049, there's a lot of that future yes, tech kind yes. of stuff and yeah. little minority report kind of thing thrown in there. I, I love the idea that, that he's going to be doing this. This one. works for me. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the reason that they're saying Johan Johansson and not Nell Nelson is doing the uh, the composing is I think he has a, a part of it anyways. That you're, like you said, he's probably already done it. But I read that this guy has already has three different films that he's also doing in 2017, including Darren Aronofsky's new movie. Mother, I think that movie's called. That'll be a thing for another show. But okay, that's all I got on that one. Okay. Well, hey, you remember when we used to rag on GameStop a lot? <laughs> what day don't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, much to the dismay of their employees, uh-huh. uh, they've now announced that they will be open this year on Thanksgiving. It's happening. I called this years ago. Black Friday's not enough. Now we have... It, it's. The Super Bowl commercials had to start releasing a day earlier. Right. Black Friday wasn't Black Friday enough, so they had to start opening at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Now GameStop is going to be open Why? on Thanksgiving. There's not new games that come out. What's your doorbuster for GameStop that you can't do 12 hours later in the morning at 5 a.m.? It's just a race to get the deal. I don't know. Who needs to go buy a blender yeah. on Thanksgiving Day? Three years ago, GameStop announced that they were going to close out of respect for their employees. So much for that. Just seriously, guys. Who's? I mean, I know the sometimes it's something that started in the last couple of years where the men will sit around and watch football, cigars, and scotch, and the women will take a instead of getting up at four four o'clock in the morning, they'll take the time and go five or six p.m. in the evening. Some of these stores that are opening on Thanksgiving Day, right? The fact that I, if I'm reading this right, they're going to be open all day on nah, Thanksgiving Day. I think day. it's a limited time that I think I read, but still, why? What's the point? Nobody goes to buy video games on Thanksgiving Day. Do they? I don't know. It's, and we like video games. But it's going to be a pretty stacked month in October. Who knows what kind of deals they're going to have. I I don't want to knock it too much because I don't know, I'll, be in, I'll be in a recliner taking a nap is where I'll be on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sounds like they really screwed that up. Hey, you know who else screwed up something with video games? Our old friends at Walmart. What? Yeah. So uh, over the Comic-Con weekend, last weekend, uh, they announced that the Super NES Classic, the SNES Classic that we've been talking about, right, is is available for pre-order, and a bunch of people pre-ordered it. And then <laughs> a couple hours later, they're like, uh, we, though, um, due to a technical glitch, um, it's not actually a pre-order. And all those people are like, hey, wait a minute, and then they don't get it. So this is another example of a Nintendo product launch or something that has just bad press, bad whatever over it. Does Nintendo get anything right at this point? <sighs> I just I don't even know what to say about this. This reeks of they misread something, so they they launched it. I doubt they very seriously that their entire web team pushed go on something like that without any kind of oversight of it of it being okay. And all of a sudden, Nintendo changed their minds and yeah. said, "Yeah, no, sorry, just After kidding." Thousands of these got pre-sold, and now Walmart's having to go through the the studious task of refunding all these customers also for those of you playing along at home this is not a christmas release this will actually be out at the end of september so they better get those pre-orders going soon why pre-order something that's never going to be in stock anyway why because you should hey the emoji movie bombed who'd have guessed (laughs) we dodged a bullet on this one i got like around the thing where i couldn't go see it because my brother went and saw it and we had like swimming lessons and this and yeah it was great we didn't go see it so thank goodness and hopefully by next weekend it's gone because it did so badly well, the the big takeaway that I heard from this was that um, Captain Picard Ugh. will forever be known as the poop emoji. Patrick Stewart is the poop emoji uh, forever. It's he, he, horrible. He, that that should be his his epitaph on his tombstone. <laughs> I was I was not Captain Picard. Yeah, Jean Luc Picard. I was. I am the poop emoji. Yeah, he would always say like number one, engaged, and he should have said number two. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was that's meta. All thank right. you, thank you. Well, hey, let's move on and talk about some TV and movies. Yeah, technically, we've been talking about movies for quite a bit here. However, we go from the Emoji Movie, which <laughs> was in more ways than one shit, to a trailer for It, the second trailer for It. Do you remember it? I do. But this is actually the third trailer. Now we've seen a little bit more of the It. It scared the poop emoji out of me. <laughs> Why do we need three trailers for movies these days? I don't know. Why do we have to? And then if you go on Apple trailers, there's clips yep. and three trailers. And uh, stop. Hype, hype, hype. One trailer. Yeah. Uh, here's and my this trailer sucked worse than the teaser. I thought the I thought the second one was the best one. Um, the teaser, you're right, was I don't probably maybe which one is maybe, which at this point. The third one has like a lot of like the crazy like 
typical horror movie scare moments where you're like, and you see like the monster run at the screen and like weird, like taking frames out thing. And like a bunch of those, you know what I mean? Like this, this classic, like horror trailer. Yeah. Like I didn't like that. And where I thought the second trailer really had me like spooked, which is not hard. I didn't know that there was a third trailer. Yeah, because I told I told you about it. And that's why you, you know. did, and I, I always thought you were talking about the second trailer. So no, no, I no. loved the second trailer. I loved the teaser trailer even more. I don't know that I've even seen this one. There's so many trailers nowadays. I can't keep up with them, man. <laughs> the third it trailer exists. Go see it. It's still freaky. It's still a clown with weird eyes. It's still scared kids on set, just like they say. Right. Um, here's something interesting about it. Now uh, this is going back to the miniseries it, which also scared the out of me. Right poop emoji tim curry who played pennywise in that yes here's something interesting did you know that tim curry was originally the voice of the joker in batman the animated series and not mark hamill wait so he he actually did published episodes no here's the interesting thing so he got cast and he recorded a bunch of stuff as the joker bruce tim the uh, like uh the executive producer of the batman animated series revealed this i guess last week at at comic-con i read this on like a clip somewhere and Mark Hamill was really kind of bummed out. And he's like, um, if, if, if I could play uh, Hugo Strange or maybe Mr. Freeze or something along the way, that would be great. And like, thanks for the time. And, you know, he really wanted to do the Joker. And so I guess uh, the, the audition tapes or, or the episode that Curry recorded got to the Warner Brothers brass. They're like, mm, I don't know. We want to go with something new. And then they brought Hamill in and the rest is history. Wow. So can you imagine? Like, what if a story. That, I know if that hadn't happened. Oh, man. Because like his... Joker is, I think, other than Ledger and maybe right on par with Ledger. It's like it's the Joker. I think it's right on par. I, I do really too. do. Just it might be a different take on it. Um, a little bit more not camp, but uh, sinister, funny. Yeah. Um, rather than just super dark and over the top. Yeah. Uh, in the in the way that Heath Ledger nailed it. Um, but I, I just I can't compare the two to me. They're they're two different. Yeah. perfectly done jokers it's like if there was the voice of the joker in the comic book like if you were reading the panels of yeah. a comic book i hear mark hamill when i'm doing that when i see a cartoon obviously the batman animated series I, I you know i hear mark hamill do it but when in the movie you can't say like that's mark hamill playing the joker because you see the guy doing it yes but every time i read a, a joker comic panel i hear mark hamill's voice wow that's a credit to him Not tim curry though no okay. i can't imagine it because we never heard it uh one more thing about the it slash stephen king thing that's happening because like he's getting a major resurgence right now yeah. wouldn't you say well, it's about time to reboot all his shit there was this teaser from uh the jj abrams people and so it's like a cat it was like a, a series that's coming i guess called castle rock on hulu did you see this thing i think i sent it to you you did you did and this is in our Past couple of episodes, we've raved about all the universes that have come. I know, up. and they just don't stop. Now, all of a sudden, we're I guess we're going to get a Stephen King universe, Kingiverse, a Castle Rockiverse, <laughs> because now all of a sudden, if you look at all of his works, Salem's Lot, Cujo, Needful Things, Shawshank, It, Stand by Me, Danny Torrance from The Shine. I mean, all this stuff. Are we going to get a Kingiverse now? Is that what this is? Well, that's what this trailer suggested. Remember, because they were like uh, from the mind of Castle Rock, and then it's, it listed all of those things. And I, I guess there are characters, and I'm not as well-versed in the Stephen King universe as I should be. Why? I don't like scary stuff, poop emoji. Is this like Hulu's sort of like, this is our Stranger Things kind of thing? Like, it's their throwback so. to like, here's a Stephen King. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm wondering what the whole Castle Rock thing is, because th- is this more of like a super best friends or like an episode <laughs> of Scooby-Doo where all of the crossovers show up? and The Stephen you know, King Justice League. The kids from Stand By Me somehow leave the railroad tracks and walk into Derry and go into this Needful Things store. Like, sure. is there some kind of crossover thing that's maybe well, I don't understand the point of this. Is it Stranger Things? No, I don't think it's anything like that. But I I. I I'm anxious to figure out what the hell is cooking. And so somebody smoked a lot of weed. And came I like up with the, this idea. I like the idea of Abrams and Stephen King working together. That sounds cool to me. Right. I mean, here's the other thing we do know, kind uh, of, but not really because the lost, I'll say that, uh, but that's Lindelof. Um, the thing we do know is, is the dark tower stuff, which we saw that trailer, that other trailer tonight, which wasn't nearly as good as the trailer. We had seen a, a bunch. That movie comes out in two days. Um, the dark tower, uh, the man in black, the, I guess the McConaughey character from the trailer, I guess he appears in a bunch of different Stephen King things. So he's already got, like we've said his, his own little universe, which I had no idea about. Um, I'm sure there are a legion of fans that are going to be excited about that. So any character that could loosely be referred to as the devil, a satanic style, Lucifer style character, um, in multiple works of Stephen King is referred to as the man in black. Now it's, it's never directly said that it's the same one from the gunslinger series, but there's there's many references across his works 
to the man in black. Okay. Um, so here's another thing about Dark Tower. Uh, the reviews are starting to come out. They say it's just sort of like, meh. But everything I've seen in those trailers looks fun. I, I just want to see it to kind of get into that universe, a gateway into it. Uh, the movie's only 95 minutes. Yeah, that, that was that was a bit shocking to me. Uh, this is one of those that you could have run for a good two and a half hours uh, if you had told a good story. But that is not a good sign if they've cut it down that much. Because you can't tell me that you shot only 95 minutes worth of movie with those two characters yeah. and that backdrop. Yeah, That's not a good sign. But we'll find out this weekend. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good signs, what if you had a sign in your yard in the suburbs? Hey, Suburbicon trailer. Uh, we just watched that tonight. Here, it's got three things going for it for me. One, Matt Damon's in it. Number two, he's directed by George Clooney with a script written by the Coen brothers. Win, win, win. Yeah. What, do you, what are your takes? One, when I first started watching this with you, it, was, uh, it felt like a Steven Soderbergh project. Yeah. But there is definitely some Soderbergh influences on the way Clooney directs. You can, you can tell that. Yeah. The way the music comes in and everything. But the more you watch it, and I almost want to go watch it a second time, it also reeks of the Coen brothers and their style of comedy and writing and punchlines and all that stuff as well. So this is going to be fantastic. It's actually one of the ones I'm looking forward to the most that's coming up here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, how many times did Clooney work with the Coen brothers and how many times has he worked with Soderbergh? Of course, your influences are there and you can see them. Yeah. And he's already established himself as a good director. So I am looking forward to this movie. Well, hey, when we went to see uh, Atomic Blonde earlier today, there was a trailer that I had not heard of was coming out, and apparently it's coming out this weekend. I know, me neither. It's, uh, it's a new Jeremy Renner project, and it's also apparently got John Bernthal in it, which we didn't see him in the trailer at all, hmm. called Wind River. Yeah. This looks like Fargo on an Indian reservation, but the way the trailer's cut together, it actually looks really, really good. I'm, I'm excited about this. It's about time Jeremy Renner got more leading role work, Yeah. Uh, and this looks like it's right up his alley. It also has uh, Elizabeth Olsen in it for who played Scarlet Witch yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in the Avengers movies. So uh, I, this has a lot of things going for it. Um, it's got a lot of influences, like I said, from Fargo. I, I can't wait. What do you think? It felt like um, a combination of take the dark comedy out of Fargo and just the actual snow murder part of it, because yeah. that's certainly an element in this trailer. It felt like that and a bit of like the movie Insomnia, the Nolan movie with um, with Pacino and Robin Williams, yeah. but without the Pacino and Williams. <laughs> what was the Paxton movie in the snow with the, oh, the money? Simple, simple Plan. Simple Plan. I believe that was a Coen Brothers movie. Yes, it was. There you go. Yes, it was. Um, so yeah, that was a good one too. Um, there's like Graham Greene's in it. Like there's there's something really cool about this. And, and, and I like the fact that we had never heard of it, number one, and it's like out next, like in two days. Yeah. So, and this is like, it was a selection at Cannes and it was a selection at Sundance. And like, so it's, it's got some weight behind it. And a lot of people have said it's like a really good, like thriller. So should be good. Well, hey, we just mentioned Soderbergh a second ago, right? So he does have Logan Lucky coming out here in the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, This is a comedy with uh, Kylo Ren and Magic Mike. (laughs) I guess you're right. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver. Right. Not, not, not. Uh, that's their other character. That's, anyway, so the interesting thing about this one is that there's a number of actors in it that are showing some some unusual comedic chops. Like yeah. you wouldn't have expected. I mean, Channing Tatum. Maybe you can get me there to an extent. Sure, Twenty One Jump Street. But not Kylo Ren and and not Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig looks like he's a scene stealer. And they're all playing Carolina Rednecks. <laughs> yeah. It's at the Coca-Cola 600. I mean, this is right in your wheelhouse. NASCAR. So this is also another one that kind of snuck up out of nowhere. I mean, we've heard about this coming, but it's in two weeks. Yeah, the 18th of August. So, uh, yeah. Um, Here's the – there's a weird thing behind this movie that I'm going to tell you. It might be long-winded. Okay. So the writer of this movie is somebody named Rebecca Blunt. Guess what? Rebecca Blunt does not exist. Huh? That's not a person that should be getting credit. Okay? So, in fact, when they were doing this movie, apparently – um, the, the ruse or gag of whatever this person was was so good that Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, Daniel Craig were sending emails back and forth to this person, the writer, Rebecca Blunt, who it's not Rebecca Blunt, to the, they thought they were sending him to the United Kingdom where they thought she lived. <laughs> but uh, so there's actually three theories about who this really could be. Number one, Jules Asner, which is uh, Steven Soderbergh's wife, who was like a host on like E! Now or okay. like E! News Daily or whatever. Um, and maybe she wouldn't want to use her name because it's like, oh, great. It's from the writer of like E! News Daily. That's dumb. What would Why would we go see a movie uh, written by her? The other one is, do you remember John Henson, the guy that did Talk Soup with like the white streak in his hair, had like a Jim Carrey sounding like delivery? Do you remember him? He was the guy between um, Greg Kinnear and Joel McHale, the Talk Soup show on, on E! Right. So 
Apparently, he might have been. <laughs> this is this is. I'm going down a wormhole here. Yeah. He might have been friends with Jules Asner, and because of that, met Steven Soderbergh, and they were working on something that had a similar sort of theme as Logan Lucky. And the third theory is is that it's actually Steven Soderbergh who was the writer, going under the name Rebecca Blunt. Why now, wouldn't he just put himself? Well, he does his thing. Like on Magic Mike, he was credited as Peter Andrews for his cinematography work, and as Mary Ann Bernard for his editing. So I don't know what like <laughs> like maybe that's like a humble thing. I don't want to take too much credit for like all the things i'm doing like robert rodriguez would right right but he's not using a pseudonym on this movie for uh the cinematography and the editing that he did so i guess there will be a credit in logan lucky cinematography steven soderbergh and editing by steven soderbergh so that theory might be blown out of the water now the writers guild who says like the rules about who gets credited as the writer right says you can only use a pseudonym if it's been used on another film. So like if you decided your name was um, Nick McPoop pants and you wanted to write a, a movie and you decided that was your, your pseudonym, if you'd done it once, you could just keep crediting yourself as that, even if it wasn't your real name. Does Rebecca Blunt have any writing credits to date? No, that's the mm. funny part. So we don't know who this is. So that shouldn't be the story of this movie, but I just like this like <laughs> clever, like, like this weird, like web of intrigue that we have to figure this out. And you know who should figure Ooh, it out? You know who should figure it out? What? The world's greatest detective. You know who I'm talking about? Could it be Batman? Yes. Well, speaking of Batman, Ben Affleck has now reportedly signed on. So all of this speculation about uh, he's leaving and no, I'm not leaving. And then he's kicked off the Batman and then he's not writing it. And now he's not directing it. Now he's not doing it at all. Nope. So between Comic-Con last weekend and him basically saying, fuck you, I'm always going to play the Batman. This is the best, coolest role in the world. Now, today, literally today, we're recording on Wednesday, he yep. inked a three-picture deal. Reportedly. Reportedly. A source inside of Warner Brothers uh, says that he has, it is a done deal. He has inked a three-picture deal, new three-picture deal, that takes a new solo movie called The Batman and then another sequel called Batman Beyond. Oh. And I think this has based some on the ties cartoons? to either the cartoon or a specific storyline in it's the, the cartoon. comics. It's the cartoon. So there was a cartoon called Batman Beyond with the new person playing Batman or like a young kid and the old Bruce Wayne was like watching from the Batcave a la Alfred advising him how to do it. So obviously Ben Affleck getting up there in years. What is he, 44, 45 now or something like that, right? So by the time oh, all these such an old man, but you know what I'm saying? Like by the time you do two more yeah, Batman he's movies, 51 and he did John wick, right? What I'm getting <laughs> at is by the time he gets to a Batman beyond, if that's the third picture, we're talking, you know, 2022, 20, yeah. 2023. And now he's 52, 53 years old. Makes sense. And he's already playing the older Bruce Wayne. So sequentially that would make sense to me. Well, that's cool. I'm finally, all of that stuff got settled. Also something I'm excited to finally be getting our, our hands on some information around is speaking of old guys. The 30 for 30 for Ric Flair on ESPN. Yes. Uh, we got a date on this now. It's November 7th. Yes. Uh, I have loved these 30 for 30 specials. They've done a lot wide swath of all different kinds of topics for anything from OJ to player compensation to anything. This one being a Charlotte boy myself mm -hmm. and Ric Flair being from Charlotte. He is a staple of that community. He is a staple of Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a, arguably responsible for the huge rise in wrestling in the 90s and I cannot wait to see what this man's life story is like. I am excited about it. As you know, I'm a huge Ric Flair fan as well. Um, but I'm also kind of looking at this with a sense of dread because they're going to, you know, 30 for 30s aren't like, look how awesome this guy is. Typically, it's like, here's all the problems he had with his women and his marriage and his money. And it's going to paint him in a really sad light. Oh, yeah. So we're going to see it and it's going to make me sad. You know, it's like. It's like uh, having that sort of like Hulk Hogan is this Hulk Hogan thing. And then he has this other life. I don't know that Ric Flair would have agreed to do this. So with with it being so egregiously kind of damning to his character, or his career. Did he get paid? That's a good point. That's, all I care That's a good point. Another wrestler is going to get paid. Guess who it's going to be? I'm not going to tell you for a second. It, it, let me at least set up what the movie is first. Okay. Okay. So Transformers movie. Another one, right? By Michael Bay? No, not by Michael Bay. Imagine if they did a prequel to the Transformers universe hmm. just with, <laughs> with your Kermit the Frog voice um, uh, is with just Bumblebee like his like origin Bumblebee origin story. Uh -huh. Right. And it's set in the 80s. Remember a couple weeks ago, you're like, hey, 
Well, I want to I want to see a Transformers movie that's like in the '80s, like with the whole like cartoon storyline. Spaceship line. crashed. Into I don't a mountain. know, but this is like the Bumblebee origin set. Do in you the remember 80s? where Bumblebee came from? I don't know. It yeah. was the what, it was the car that Spike and his dad drove. Oh, okay, yeah, I, it I was the little that. Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, I wonder who could play Spike and his dad if they were going to do this. I, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but who would be? They need like a wrestling legend, not named The Rock, to do this. Who would? Well, I think it's actually going to be one of the biggest names in sports entertainment. And his name is John Cena! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! John Cena is going to be... I don't know what his role is in the film, if they said... But he's going to be in it. Uh, it's, it's great. I, I want to see him in a big time action movie. Maybe he will finally start to to. He'll never be the Rock. The Marine wasn't a big time action movie. Come you on, know what I mean. Come on, you know what I mean. You know what? We've been talking about action movies this entire episode. Uh, we grew up with action movies. We need to go out and talk about this in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I love action movies. You love action movies. Everybody loves action movies. I mean, some of the most renowned films are, you know, the Die Hards, Predator, Aliens, you know, all of the stuff of the 80s and 90s that we absolutely grew up loving. That's what we grew, grew up, up with. That's yes. what we grew up I'm wearing with. A, a, Billy, a Jesse Ventura shirt right now that says, what is it? I ain't got time, I ain't to, bl- got time, time to bleed. bleed. When we grew up, we were in the 80s. We were in the middle of the Cold War, yeah. right? So it was... Uh, Americans against Russians and Chuck Norris fought him and Rambo fought him yes. and Schwarzenegger fought him and Bruce Willis kind of fought him, but not really. He fought Germans and die hard, but like it was always like a guy that was like our guy who was one man, like a regular guy against the world one and, man. and they had guns and they shot dudes and it was cool things. Like they threw saw blades through people and those were action movies. Yes. And we lived through all of that. And then we got a bunch of that, like a newer version of that. Like in the nineties, you remember it was face off and con air whatever <laughs> bad boys and and like all of those like action movie like we love like guys shooting guns and things blowing up and that's what action movies were and it was awesome but then it all kind of stopped do you remember that i do right around 2000 we mentioned david hater earlier there was something yeah. that happened he introduced what i consider the first of this comic book era that we're in right now with x-men and i think x-men introduced a whole new way of doing violent action movies Okay. With superhuman fantasy yeah, yeah. elements that didn't ground it in reality. And that takes away some of the naughty stuff that might influence kids to shoot guns or something like that. Okay. I, I want to throw it to that direction of maybe a reason why it went that way. That said, I miss my action movies. I did too. Um, and by, let's, let's clarify here. Yeah. To me, action movie is guys shooting guns and things blowing up. Yes. You could consider a martial arts movie an action movie, but to us, we're just talking about sure. guns, bullets, and octane and things blowing up. Right? You're exactly right. In 2000, that's when the comic book sort of trend happened. And there was another thing that happened, if I remember correctly. Uh, Star Wars Episode One. Yes, Star Wars Episode One happened. So so we're talking like fantasy, and then Harry Potter started, and Lord of the Rings started, and Transformers kind of started. Like we're talking. Your game's not too far behind. Yeah, but that's a little bit later. But there weren't like people shooting guns and things blowing up. And again, in in our in our uh, culture, there wasn't necessarily like a bad guy, the Cold War, the Russians, or that we needed to go. Like there wasn't that. Um, we had some movies. There's no in, bad villain hanging out in sure, Afghanistan. Sure, but we, but we, we had we the Black Hawk Downs yeah. and the Three Kings and like things like that. There weren't necessarily action movies. Yeah. We did get a, a Matrix in the late '90s, and then that was it, right? But we didn't get like uh, like a big. We got a crank every now and then, but there wasn't like what we're getting back to now, like a thing we saw tonight. Yeah, Atomic Blonde, John Wick, uh, Street, like anything where there are guys shooting. Like we had. Liam Neeson is a new action star in Taken, but that wasn't, you know what I mean? That was an action film. But you know Absolutely what I mean? Like, it, was it wasn't like, film. we had to wait for them. We had to wait for things to happen. Actually, I'm glad you brought up Taken, because to me, that might be the most formulaic example of an, an 80s action movie. There's a there's a moment of distress. Yep. A villain comes in and does something and steals your kids. Mm-hmm. It's an identifiable, relatable kind of villain. Yeah, that's the uh, plot for Commando. Right. <laughs> Thank you. It's yeah. the exact scenario right. of Commando. So, yes, I think that's a perfect example of maybe what started to... And there was... It made tons of money. It was got rave reviews. Yeah. And there was a Taken 2 and a Taken 3. Now we've got the John Wick movies. Now we've got Atomic Blonde. I want to see what's next. I think a lot of this goes back to... There was a time in the 80s that was kind of this golden era of original content. 
Um, I, I dare I throw the Total Recalls and the other Schwarzenegger kind of movies in there, right? There were these ventures or there were these risks that were being willing to take. And I think a lot of the things that started and led to where we are today, the last 15 to 17 years of movies that we've seen have mostly been based around stuff that the studios thought was a guarantee that brought in an established audience already, whether it's comic book readers, readers of the Harry Potter books. Game of Thrones is a great example of this. Um, uh, Hunger Games is another great example. So there was this taste for all of this stuff that already existed. We have not had a lot of risks taken in the last 15 years. Okay, uh, let's let's go back to, let's just talk about, uh, let's take the whole gun control argument out sure. of this. We're just going to say that's not a part of this. We're going to talk about when we grew up, it was... Guns, bullets, and octane and explosions, right? So what you're getting at is mainly is, men. Sure, and, yeah. But now we're now we're talking about the mid 2000s of Potter and Transformers and uh, Star Wars and and uh, comic book movies that don't have as much guns and didn't have the like right. All of those movies were based on every man, one guy against everybody. One Rambo, man. John McClane, uh, Matrix from Commando, like all of those people were one guy against everybody, which uh, eventually became John Wick versus everybody. Yeah. But again, there was a huge gap of time between John McClane and John Wick. What did we do with quote unquote guns in film between now between that time period? With guns in film specifically, uh, not much. You I know, mean, you know what we did? What we didn't do it in movies anymore. Yeah. You know where we did it? Call of Duty. Years of War. Interesting. Right? That was our sort of like escape to go do our gunplay thing. Like we would go and do it in video games. And it got to the point where you could be one man against a universe and one man against a bunch of guys. And you could do it in a virtual world. Yeah, but I don't you, think Hollywood was smart enough to do that. No, they weren't. But what I'm saying is that's where the, the uh, what I, I guess I'm speculating that that's where the gap for you and I was. While we weren't seeing it in the we theaters, it. Yeah. sure, well, that's how we did it. That's how we got there. Like we get to go we got like, our murder fix. Yeah, but, but <laughs> it's a weird way to say it. But you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Like it was like, okay, I got the sweet M16, or like even Goldeneye. Like I got the gun from Goldeneye that does this. The coolest like, part of Commando is when he goes and breaks into the yes! uh, the Army Navy yes! store and gets all the weapons, and yes! he's like, oh my god! Right, that's what, comes right out and blows up a truck with a rocket launcher. And like you could argue that like even Aliens, while it's a sci-fi movie, is still like a a machine gun things blowing up sure. movie at the same same time terminator it's a time travel movie with action and guns and everything in it uh speed where we're trying to stop a bomb from blowing up and running against a bus there's still guns and stuff like that that didn't exist for like 15 years like we just said yeah we've been buried in star wars prequels lord of the rings movies established audiences so what we have now though is not just like a it's it's great to have they've run out of shit to to, to do it's great to have the gunplay stuff back but it's become more stylized in a weird way. Yeah. Does that take away from like the stuff that we grew up with, or is it making it better? I'm, I'm curious. What I you don't think. know, because there's a film that came out, I believe, around 2000 as well, called Equilibrium. And this was not a very well-known film. Mm-hmm. This was uh, Christian Bale before he did Machinist yeah. and Batman, yeah. or, Dark, or Dark Knight, I should say. Or Batman Begins. That's yep. the right one. Uh, where it was just crazy gunplay, and it was very futuristic version of like a John Wick, where they were doing things that you would typically see with swords and knives with this kind of crazy gunplay, like Gun Cotter or something, or like Jim uh, Cotter, yeah. yeah, yeah, Gun Fu, yeah, is something what they like were yeah. referred to it as, yeah. Uh, and this is uh, John Woo was one of the ones yes, that perfect example. that did uh, a lot of this stuff. So we saw a lot of this crazy stylized stunts with guns and motorcycles from John Woo. He had a big stretch there where he was doing a lot of this. I don't. I'm with you. I miss. I pine for the days. We. I know a lot of guys, especially that still go back and watch Die Hard and Rambo's and uh, Predator and Commando and all of those movies from the '80s and total everything Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all of those films. I don't know if the next one of those guys exists. And yeah. frankly, I don't know if there's a place in Hollywood for that kind of stuff anymore. That's a good good thing you're bringing up because the people that are doing it, John Wick, Keanu is like in his 50s. Yeah. Uh, Charlize Theron, who we saw tonight, is 41, right? These aren't like young people doing action-y things. Well, I mean, Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger were 40-ish when they were doing sure. those in the 80s. But yeah, but I mean... But I mean, he's still making Expendables movies at 60 years old. And what does that appeal to? I guess so that's the thing we didn't even bring up. That was that was the whole, like, that's why those movies were so successful. It's because there was the action movie guys like us that were waiting for our fix, and they're like, let's take all those dudes and put them in the same movie. We're like, yes! And, like, the limited number of people that love that stuff saw it, and it made the money it made. Yeah, keep making more of them. Like, let's... Oh, 
I don't know if it'll ever get back to what we wanted it to be. And yes, we have a Predator movie coming. Is it going to be as good as the Predator movie we grew up with? No. We had a RoboCop remake. Not as good. We had a Total Recall remake. Not as good. They just can't capture that again. No. What is it? What is that essence that we're not getting now? It was lightning in a bottle. It really was. It was the stars aligned with what the studios were willing to take a risk on. It was the days of Don Simpson and the crazy guys racing their Ferraris down Wilshire Boulevard, and that just does not exist anymore. We have Fast and Furious. That's the car thing. But But what's happening is, okay, okay, so what's happening, that's a good point. What's happening is there's the car thing. There's the robot thing. There's the this thing. There's the gun thing. Instead of combining them all into one, we got a bit of like car stuff. Well, I don't think you can have orcs running around on in fast cars shooting machine guns. I'm taking guns. the fantasy Jedi, all that stuff yeah. out of it. And you know how much I love Jedi, yeah. and I know how much you love fantasy and the and the orcs and all that stuff. But we are also we're dudes. We like chainsaws and stuff, and like guns and things blowing up. You know, yeah. We just don't see it as much as we used to. I, I I honestly don't think that there's any other reason outside of the fact that we live in a kind of polarized. It's not the '80s anymore. We live in a polarized world where a lot of that stuff is unacceptable. But at the same time, I don't think that should limit the kind of films that get produced and released. Have that the ratings are there for a reason. People will decide whether or not they want to go see something. And I unfortunately, I think a lot of it is driven by fear of backlash. If they do make something that is controversial or too graphic, you know, Atomic Blonde tonight, there was a lesbian sex scene where they both got naked. Spoiler alert. It's whatever. But at the same time, somehow that's okay, but you can't have people running. My point is a whole other conversation. Sure. I think the ratings are there for a reason. I think Hollywood is a little chicken shit right now to not want to go out and take risks on things that don't have established audiences. There are certain things that are taking chances here and there, such as um, I think a lot of the throwback era films like 12 Years a Slave, Birth of a Nation, etc. Those are very kind of taking risks films, and they've turned out to be fantastic award-winning films for the most part. But at the same time, this is getting way off topic of the action films that are out there. I just think this is a side effect of what Hollywood is willing to digest today. Yeah, we just need our popcorn movies where a guy goes out and shoots a bunch of people, just like people need their popcorn movies when a slasher like Jason Voorhees goes out and kills a bunch of people. It's the same thing. This this crosses over between the horror genre as well. We didn't even mention Steven Seagal and the 27,000 action movies right. he's made. So there, there's all kinds of stuff out there. All of this stuff doesn't it exists but we don't get new stuff anymore and i think i think it goes back to what i'm saying is if you want to if you want to make your own action movie you go play the the video games which are now as as good if not better than some of the action movies that are out there i think we stopped pining for it and that like we said earlier filled the gap uh with video games but i think it's i think you're right i think it's coming full circle hey did you know charlie sheen thinks that the moon is hollow (laughs) no i didn't either okay uh, I wonder if that has anything to do with what is he one of those crazy conspiracy theorists that thinks that we never landed on the moon and that there's lizard people in the middle of the earth. I read that Charlie Sheen had something weird to say that was apparently uh, revealed on this. Okay. Did you know Rob Lowe has a show on A&E now called like the Lowe files or something with oh. him and his two kids. So he said, yeah, Charlie Sheen believes that the moon is hollow. Also, are you aware that Rob Lowe believes that there is uh, underwater tunnels underneath Los Angeles which are traversed by nuclear submarines. That is a perfect example of why. I think we need- Elon Musk would have found them by now because he's digging <laughs> Good point. a mile Good below point. the surface. He's digging below. He like takes out a couple of nuclear like, hey, submarines. What are these subs doing down here? <laughs> See you later. Well, Andy, it also came out this week, by the way, since you're such a big fan of his, that Steven Spielberg does oh. not like one of his Indiana Jones films. Uh, Can Can you guess which one of his Indiana Jones films that is his least favorite? My first instinct would be to say Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, because as soon as I got that movie, because I bought the big Indiana Jones like quadruple set, right? As soon as I bought Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I took the Blu-ray out of the case, snapped it in half, threw it in the trash. That's how much I like that movie. Eh, What is wrong? That is not the one that he likes the least. Okay. It is Temple of Doom. Yeah, I did read this. Apparently, they're going to reveal a bunch of this in the HBO documentary that's coming, right? And he's going to say something along the lines of, oh, I didn't like it because it was dark and underground and there were uh, children as slaves and I met my wife on the shoot and whatever. Fine. Came with the Crystal Skull is the worst uh, Spielberg movie. Well, off the back of that, I think that will lead us to our lightning round. Okay. Specifically for you this week, and because you're such a huge fan I um, want you to name as many Steven Spielberg films in any capacity 
as you can. Go. Is this as a director or a producer? Director? Any. Okay. Um, Let's stick with director. Director. Uh, uh, Duel, uh, Sugarland Express, uh, Jaws. Uh, 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 after Jaws, it was uh, Close Encounters. Maybe there was something before that. And then after Close Encounters, it was 1941. And then Raiders. And then E.T. And then Poltergeist, even though we don't say Poltergeist. And then uh, Temple of Doom. And then uh, Goonies, even though we don't say Goonies. And then it was, um, oh, what did he do? He do? Uh, Color Purple. And then he did uh, uh, 87 would have been Empire of the Sun. And then uh, Empire of the Sun to uh, Always in 89. And then he did, no, wait, no. He did uh, uh, Last Crusade in 89. And then he did, uh, oh, what was the other one in 89 that I just said? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, Always was in 89 or 90 or something like that. Uh, he did Hook in 91. Oh, he did uh, Schindler's List. Uh, Jurassic Park, uh, ninety. It was both ninety three, ninety four. I don't remember ninety five. I don't. Remember, uh, he did Memoirs of a Geisha at some point. Maybe did he do that? No, no. That was John Williams did the score. Um, he did uh, 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 Lost World. He did Catch Me If You Can and The Terminal and Munich and Bridge of Spies. And these are the parts of Minority Report. These are the things where uh, AI. These are the things where I start to not remember the stuff because they weren't as good. Um, he did. Uh, that's uh, I'm a hobby. Oh, Saber <laughs> Ryan, how could I forget that one? Uh, yeah, and then he's going to make Ready Player One. There's my Spielberg thing. How did I do? Fantastic. I think you got all the way up through at least 2000. What did I miss? Uh, Lost it's, World Jurassic Park. I said that near the end. Okay. Okay, I didn't remember you saying that one. Fine. Um, did, you didn't say War of the Worlds. No, I didn't. But we're okay. into the mid-2000s okay. at this point. You yeah. just basically covered three decades. Well done, sir. Uh, well done, indeed. I feel like I missed some more, but okay, yeah. It's my favorite. He's my favorite. The only one I think you missed was Amistad oh, from 1997. Yeah, yeah with uh, Anthony Hopkins. But is- yeah, fantastic job, man. You... you- <laughs> I could not have done anywhere near that well, to be honest. Well, I'm a big fan of his. He's basically a huge influence on my life. And speaking of Spielberg, I'm going to be at the Hollywood Bowl on Saturday to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark with the Hollywood Bowl orchestra people playing. Yeah, I didn't know about this. Yeah, buddy of mine's like, hey, Brad, as you know, is like, hey, I got an extra ticket. It's it's you watch. It's great. You watch the movie on a screen, and but but they take the music out of it, and then the L.A. Philharmonic actually plays the score to the movie on a click track to the movie in front of you. It's fantastic. So that's oh Saturday God. night. I'll tell you all about it next week. Can you do a, like a pirate stream to Facebook Live of that? So I'll we can do watch what it? I can. I'll do what I can. Yeah, <laughs> I have unlimited data. Oh man. Well, hey guys, that was a lot of fun. Andy, good job killing that that lightning <laughs> round uh, as I expected you would. Yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, big shout out again to the Super Nerds UK. Be sure and give yes. those guys a listen yes. to their David Hater interview from Manchester Comic Con. Hi to Tawny and George from the Dirty Bits. And hi as well to Sir Ian Dangerous over on Busted Wide Open. We'll What's be up, Ian? That one tomorrow. Uh, leave us a review on the iTunes store. We absolutely love your feedback. Come hang out with us on Facebook in the podcast we listen to group. Uh, lots of interaction over there, whether you're a listener or a podcaster. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Concession Stand, and you can also send us an email to cs at orbitaljigsaw.com if you want to send us some direct feedback. I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I'm Andy Nelson at Andy Nelson 76 on Twitter. I want to know what action movies you liked as a kid. Yes, definitely send those in to us and call out any movies from Spielberg that you think Andy might have missed. But until then, later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.